Funding for Here and Now Anytime comes from MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink software, accelerating the pace of engineering and science. Learn more at MathWorks.com. Hi, this is Here and Now Anytime, where we give you a little news, a little something you weren't expecting, and always a fresh, in-depth perspective on current events, arts and culture, and stories that matter. Subscribe or follow to get all our episodes out every weekday. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend about us to help spread the word. Now here's the show. It's easy to file your taxes. I'm not saying it's fun, but you've got to get your head on straight to start the process without kind of being your own worst enemy. You've still got a couple months, but any accountant will tell you it's tax season. Here's how to get ready. Today is Thursday, the 1st of February, and this is Here and Now Anytime from NPR and WBUR Boston. I'm Chris Bentley. Today on the show, tax tips in a tight five minutes, and social media execs faced tough questions in Congress yesterday over what their products have done to kids. One parent who lost a son to a TikTok challenge was in the room when Mark Zuckerberg turned around to apologize to people like him in the audience. And it didn't go over great. I think that was the first time in all the things that I've experienced in my life that I was so mad that my mouth, my my lips started to quiver. The story of Todd Miner and his son, Matt, coming up in about 10 minutes. First, though. There's some movement in Congress on an important tax bill that could help poor families. Parents aren't the only ones looking at a potential tax credit. Corporations are getting them, too, for things like research and development. But passage in the Senate is uncertain. Semaphore reporter Joseph Ceballos Roy has some more on the bill. He told Deepa Fernandez that both parties got a little bit of what they wanted. These corporate deductions that were in the legislation were broadly popular with both Republicans and Democrats. So there was little, little controversy there. And then when it comes to the child tax credit, the expansion of the child tax credit, which would allow more people who previously didn't qualify it to claim it because they owed no income. I think most Republicans set aside their concerns with that. Also, there was an appetite to show that the House GOP majority can actually legislate. So there was, you know, some converging factors allowed both sides to strike a deal there. And um, it passed the House in a blowout bipartisan vote. Now, I want to ask you why some of the the very right-wing flank of the House didn't draw a line in the sand, as we've seen them do before with other budget bills. Yeah, that's that was an interesting question that I was keeping an eye on. I think they're saving their powder for another fight. You know, there's a lot of bigger fights coming down the road on Ukraine and border and government funding. And um, I just think that there was just um, a lack of a lack of willingness to really take this take this to the brink. We also saw some of the the progressives in the Democratic caucus in the House vote no. What were their objections? Their argument was that the spending was very uneven and the businesses got the better end of the deal. There's also a low-income housing tax credit in this bill, uh, which is being phased in over the next year. How would that work? Who would benefit? Yeah, so it would encourage the development of more affordable housing. Rent has been increasing in many, many parts of the country. It's starting to stabilize, but there is still a shortage of affordable housing. 
So this would benefit, uh, you know, poorer families who can't really afford, you know, apartment rents at market rate. And the tax credits, they were left out of the 2017 Trump tax cuts. These are for businesses. How big a boon is it for business? So these these corporate business deductions, it basically allows uh, many, many large companies to expand their operations. As one conservative economist put it to me, just increase their cash flow by a little bit, but it won't be like a substantial boost to the economy. Now, over in the Senate, Iowa, Republican Chuck Grassley told you that he was wary of passing the bill in an election year. Why? That was a very striking remark from Grassley indeed. Um, Yeah, he told me that he's concerned about checks going out during an election year, child tax credit checks. You know, that that isn't true. The deal does not include any checks and any child tax credit expansion. This benefit would be built into someone's annual refund. And Ways and Means Republicans, for example, put out a memo stating that this legislation explicitly bars the Biden administration from issuing any politically timed uh, refund checks. Also um, in this bill, and this is as we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the train derailment and chemical spill in East Palestine, Ohio, the bill would allow for any disaster relief payments to not count towards taxable income. Do you think the Senate will pass this bill as is? Right now, there is not a lot of appetite to take the bill as is. Senator Tom Tillis, who is on McConnell's leadership team, he told me that he actually prefers to wait to basically hold out for potential Trump presidency and just tackle this as part of the broader tax fight coming in 2025. So I don't think this is going to pass the Senate anytime soon. And for anyone who may be confused about all these budget and tax bills in Congress, even if this one passes in the Senate, which you've just said has a rough road ahead, these are not the spending bills that still need to be passed to avert a government shutdown in March when the temporary spending bills expire. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So there is a possibility that, you know, this tax bill could be uh, put onto a um, you know broader government funding bill, but I think that Senate Republicans would want to deal with this issue separately, put it through regular order, the committee process, which is a very time-consuming process, before allowing it to get to get to the floor. And in the Senate, you know, there's a there, the big priority right now is on a on a Ukraine border package, and there's one week left, and then they're gone for two weeks. Um, so. This is going to be a long, drawn-out process for the the tax bill ahead in the Senate. Joseph Ceballos-Roy covers domestic policy and politics for Semaphore. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you. Well, whatever happens to that tax bill, it won't be in effect for this tax filing season. You've got till April 15th to file or ask for an extension. And after the break, we've got some advice for how to make the most of your return. Free of charge unlike TurboTax. Stick around. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. 
Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. Jill Schlesinger is one of our go-tos for personal finance tips, so naturally, we called her up to talk taxes. She's business analyst at CBS News and the host of Jill on Money. Probably the biggest decision you have to make when filing taxes is picking to use either the standard deduction or itemized deductions. And if the very words are making your head spin or putting you to sleep, Jill tells Scott Tong it's actually pretty straightforward. For 90% of people, they are claiming what's called the standard deduction. The reason why that's important is that if you are claiming the standard deduction, then what happens is it's easy to file your taxes. I'm not saying it's fun, but Mm. it is a very methodical process. There is a lot of help out there, but you've got to get your head on straight to start the process without kind of being your own worst enemy. Mm. And how about help in the form of tax filing software like TurboTax or are many choices out there? Are you a proponent? I am, but I want everyone to realize there's a lot of free tax resources Mm. that are available. Let's tap those first. There is something called IRS free file. If your income last year was less than $79,000, you are entitled to free file. Just go into the irs.gov website and type in IRS free file. You'll see. There's also the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program. People who make $64,000 or less, if you've got disability, if you've got limited English-speaking ability, you need just general help, then VITA is an amazing plan. Mm. There is also tax counseling for the elderly. And the Department of Defense has a program called Mill Tax, free Mm. return preparation and electronic filing software for federal taxes and up to three state income tax returns. That's for all military members and also some veterans. So you want to check that out. There's no income limit on that. For the percentage of filers who, you know, maybe a little bit more complicated or want to keep up with some changes, there's what's called the Venmo tax. I guess that's what people are calling it. That is, if I use it for my business to get paid or for a side hustle, is it what it sounds like? There's a way to pay taxes on that income? Yes. So I feel like people have really kind of lost their minds and forgotten that, you know, you're not just entitled to make money and not claim it. Let's remember that. But there is something that has really become huge, and that is that many people are getting money through digital platforms like a Venmo, like a PayPal, and also selling stuff online. And the IRS has wanted to put this rule in place. It was after the 2021 American Rescue Act that they were going to be more Mm. diligent accounting for that. And so there was this idea that folks who made a lot of money from these online marketplaces and payment apps, they would have to receive Form 1099-K from the platform. And the problem is that we've just not been able to really put this in place. The IRS wanted to implement it and saying, if you made more than $600 on this platform, you've got to have this form. Mm -hmm. And then they've changed it. So let me be clear. For tax year 2023, which is what we're filing for right now, you have to have received over $20,000 of income and have over 200 transactions to be required to get that 1099K. 
If you have bought something and resold it on eBay or on Etsy, it's sort of the same thing. Okay. You've talked about people taking the standard deduction. Let's talk a little bit about deductions. Uh, Some of us, you know, list our charitable deductions, and I've read the IRS is going to take a closer look, you know, potentially looking for, I don't know, bogus donations. Any pointers in general for listing deductions? When you look at your deductions, there are thresholds. So a few things that are important is that all of those deductions have to tally up to more than the standard deduction. So for last year, the standard deduction, 2023, $13,850 for single, $20,800 for head of household, and $27,700 for married filing jointly. And you get a little extra if you're over the age mm. of 65 or blind. When you're doing charitable, you have to pay more than that threshold amount with charitable deductions, with your state and local taxes, with mortgage interest. All those things are tallied up. And if it's more than that amount, you're going to claim the itemized deduction. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're claiming for your charities, it's not good enough just to say, oh, I think I gave to my friend's bike-a-thon. You actually have to have the goods because what's happening in the IRS software is they are flagging things that look odd relative to your previous tax return. Mm. That's how audits are triggered these days. This is like the use of AI in the IRS is that they'll say, well, Wow, that's so weird. Scott never gave money before, never claimed a charitable deduction. So it might trigger an automatic letter saying, can you please provide proof? So if you're going to give for charity, you must have the proof that you gave to that qualified charity. Qualified is very important. All right. Pay attention, folks, to Jill Schlesinger, except her favorite hockey team in New York. She's CBS (laughs) News business analyst and the host of Jill on Money. (laughs) You had to say it, Jill. Thank you very much. (laughs) Take care. By the way, there are other free tax filing options out there, even beyond the ones that Jill mentioned. Don't shell out money when you don't have to. As we've reported before, TurboTax has been lobbying for decades to stop Americans from filing for free. Part of the reason they've got all that money for ads you've probably seen everywhere. Check out that story at hereandnow.org. We've got one more conversation for you today. Our next guest has dealt with unimaginable heartbreak, and he wants to help other people avoid what his family has gone through. This week, that mission included going to Capitol Hill to look into the eyes of the billionaires whose companies he blames for the death of his son. And he stopped by our studios to tell Deepa about it. That's after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor Total Wine & More. With so many great bottles to choose from at the lowest price, it's easy to find your favorite Cabernet or a new single-barrel bourbon to try with some help from one of their friendly guides. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine & More. Curbside pickup and delivery available in most areas. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell and show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from Betterment, an automated investing and savings app. CEO Sarah Levy shares why Betterment believes cash can be a strategic choice. 
There are times when the market is volatile, when customers are a little nervous about investing. We came to understand that there was an opportunity to introduce cash as part of an investing strategy and to give back yields to the customer. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Big tech leaders say they are doing everything in their power to protect kids from danger while using their social media platforms. The CEOs of TikTok, X, Meta, Snap and Discord testified in a child online safety hearing Wednesday before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Impacted parents were also in the room, raising photos of their children. The stories of the abuse experienced by their children can be disturbing for some listeners, and we're about to hear from one parent now. Todd Miner is from Akakeek, Maryland. He's co-founder of the Matthew E. Miner Awareness Foundation, named after his 12-year-old son who died in 2019 after watching a so-called blackout challenge on TikTok. Todd joins me here in the studios of NPR. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Tell us about your son, Matthew, Matt, his photo really gorgeous faces smiling at us both here. You brought it in. What was Matt like and what happened to him? Matthew was a very charismatic child. He, as you could see from his uh, picture here in the studio, he lit up the room wherever he went. He was uh, he was just someone that would always, uh, if you had a bad day, he would make your day better. Um, uh, and and he, he just always stood up for what's right, even at a young age. Uh, what happened with Matthew, unfortunately, in, on 2019 in March, uh, he was uh, playing a um, blackout challenge or choking challenge on TikTok. Uh, uh, me and my wife, we didn't know that at the time. We were downstairs. Uh, we had uh, given him permission to be on the Internet for about an hour. But I was recovering from uh, cancer surgery, and, and my wife was um, uh, starting new treatments for multiple sclerosis. And so uh, we said, we'll give you an hour. And so we thought everything was okay. We had just had dinner. And then our son came back from uh, football training. And uh, he went upstairs and he said, uh, come upstairs quick. R- rush up. There's, there's something wrong with Matthew. And I, you know, I, I, I had in, uh, subsequently I, I, of my surgery, I had an injury to my leg. Uh, and I was using a walker at the time, but I threw all that stuff down and I, I just ran as hard as I could on e- even my injured leg. Um, I'm retired Army, uh, so they treat us with some basic uh, medical training. And so I was looking at Matthew. I was assessing the situation. I was looking around. I saw a cord around his neck. And I couldn't figure out why that was even there. I took that from around his neck and I put my uh, ear to his uh, mouth just to see if he was breathing. I thought I uh, could hear just a little bit of a a breath. So I started to perform CPR and I literally was trying to breathe life back into our son. And all during that time, my wife uh, called 911 he didn't make it. Yeah. Uh, uh, they came and got him. We were hopeful. Uh, we went to the hospital and then probably 2 a.m. that next morning, uh, they came in and told us that he had passed away. I'm just so sorry, Todd. I can't imagine. Thank you. It's, 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 it's hard. It's, uh, it's something that we live with every day. And but... how, 
how did you find out, Todd, that it was a TikTok video that he was doing? It was quite interesting, and it's uh, it's surreal when something like that happens. Uh, the police were there. The detectives were there. And, uh, you know, they had to treat us like suspects in, mm. initially. We had a, a family cam. Uh, I gave my phone to the detective so he could see the video. He walked away and looked at it without us in the room. And then he came back and then he went back to the house with TJ. And then when he came back to us at the hospital, all this was before they told us that Matthew passed. So they cleared us of anything before that. And then he told us about the choking, the choking game, the choking challenge. He said he looked on the on the devices, but he couldn't find a record of who Matthew was chatting with. Those those systems are, are built to erase any activity. But it was later after Matthew passed that his tribute right before his funeral that the kids in his school at Akakit Academy, they had told us that they were getting bombarded with the blackout challenge and the choking challenge. And and TJ is is Matthew's older brother, your oldest son. Yes. And and I think the hard part is, you know, it sounds like as parents, you were vigilant. You were more, you were limiting his screen time. He only had an hour. You know, I think as parents, we can all relate to that extreme fear of not knowing what is coming across our children's computer screens or devices. And yes. I know that at first you and your wife, Mia, were reluctant to speak out about what happened to Matt. But flash forward to this week and you're both in Washington and you're sitting in the hearings with senators and tech leaders what changed your mind? Why did you decide to speak out? It took a lot of soul searching, I got to be honest, because uh, when something like this first happens, you want to stay kind of in your shell. And But I think with the tributes and we found out that Matthew always stood up for kids at school, uh, mm. he, like physically, he made sure they didn't get bullied. And then he always walked kids, all uh, the new kids through school. He introduced himself and made sure they felt welcome. Um, He showed them where the lockers and where the cafeteria and everything is. What a great kid. Yes. I mean, I know 12-year-olds. I have a (laughs) 12-year-olds. 12-year-olds don't usually do that. No, no. And and, uh, they they actually uh, gave him the endearing term, the ambassador of Akaki Academy. All these things and and then all the tributes, because we have a box with all the tributes from the uh, kids uh, from the young people he went to school with, all the students, and and they said your smile. The, uh, Matthew could uh, he could see a dance or hear a song in one time. He he knew the dance, and I was like, this kid's gonna be something. Yeah, you know? and, and in some ways, then TikTok is the perfect app for him because there's a, a lot of that. I can see why yeah. he would be attracted to that. Yes. So at the hearing yesterday, there were tech CEOs from Snap, Discord, X, TikTok. What was your reaction to what you witnessed yesterday? And what was it like to be in the room hearing them defend themselves? It seemed unreal. I think that was the first time in all the things that I've experienced in my life that I was so mad that my mouth, my, my lips started to quiver. I, and and then the tears just started flowing, and then my wife was crying and everything because they just seemed so insensitive. Mm. They said 1%. They said only 1% is af- affected by this. And it was very, it was just emotional. And, and I looked to my left and to my right with the other survivor parents, and because we were comforting them, we were handing tissue to each other and just patting each other while they were talking. And... I just, I, I feel they live in their ivory tower and they don't understand what 
what the common people are going through. Let's For people who haven't, let's play a moment of that. And this is getting a lot of attention. It's from the hearing when Republican Senator Josh Hawley called on Meta's Mark Zuckerberg to apologize to the parents like you who lost children. Let's listen. They're here. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? He does say, I'm sorry. You know, this was after Senator Hawley and others had pushed him and asked him, you know, are people getting fired over this? Have, has your company made changes? Are you going to compensate victims? To which Zuckerberg did not un, uh, respond. Right. How did, how did that feel? Was that apology sincere? Did, did, did it mean anything to you? I think it meant a little bit to me because, like you said, he had to be prompted to do it. You know, if it, if that's in your heart, then you just say it up front, you know. Even if that was his belief, he didn't think his platform did anything, then, you know, but still just common decency. But uh, with Senator Hawley, what he brought up was things I hadn't even thought about as far as compensation because we're doing this for the uh, love and uh, thought of Matthew and, and keep his name alive, and, and so he's not forgotten. But I think... I think uh, with these big tech companies, they have so much money. I think hitting them where they hurt. If they're mm-hmm. all about money, then give up the money, give up some money for the uh, affected families because that will mean more to them than what, any words that they just said at the hearing yesterday. Yeah. In, f- in fact, Hawley went right for the bottom line telling Zuckerberg he himself was a billionaire and was he setting aside any of his own money. Uh, I, I want to ask you, though, Policy changes, I know, is something you feel very strongly about. Yes. So that this kind of thing doesn't happen again. What do you think the responsibilities of big tech companies should be? Because, you know, as a parent, I can completely relate to children want their privacy on their devices. We can't look at every single thing that they are doing. Yes. And, and um, yeah, I have a background in IT. I have a master's in IT, so I did programming and all that stuff and worked on networks and things. So I know, you know, actually implementing it isn't very hard. It's just, I think overall, I think the profits are outweighing any common decency. Todd, some bipartisan bills have been proposed to protect children online, but they face an uphill battle. How hopeful are you? I'm very hopeful with the turnout that I saw at the hearing yesterday. Uh, there were people out the door that couldn't get into the hearing with the um, responses that I saw, even for, for Zuckerberg, because he didn't have to respond that way. But I, 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 I'm very hopeful. And to all us parents listening in the audience who have kids, who who would never want something like this to happen What's your advice to us as parents? Do, do do we need to be policing our kids more online? Do we need to be getting involved to push for some of this legislation? Well, what's the solution here? Well, I'm definitely for time limits uh, on electronic devices. Uh, but in our case, that the one hour didn't help us. So, uh, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is for uh, elected officials to just 
do what we hired them to do or elected them to do and pass these legislations to keep our kids safe online. Leave us with a final thought about Matt. You know, his beautiful face is looking at us and he's not here anymore. Yeah, um, I think Matthew, um, he always stood up for what's right, no matter what. Um, And we are uh, trying to fulfill that legacy. uh, comes from a deep uh, compassion that we have because the only way you can uh, take your pain and uh, try to take your uh, tragedy and turn it into triumph is to have uh, compassion for others. And I think we have so much that we, we don't find it robbery to not uh, focus on our pain as much, but the pain that we could prevent other children and families go- to go through. You're, you're, you're very inspiring, Todd. You know, I know how hard it is to share that, but thank you. Oh, no problem. Thank you. I'm, you know, I, I, I didn't realize that life was p- putting me through this. I, you know, at the time when you're going through it, it's, it's, you're, you're wondering why are all these things happening to me? You know, you know, I lost my mother when I was 17. I, you know, uh, su- survived the September 11th attacks. I had cancer. Uh, my wife has MS. Uh, I mean, and, and then Matthew passed uh, two days before my birthday. And uh, somebody came to me and said, hey, you're, you're a modern-day Job out of the mm-hmm. Bible. And I said, I never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we, we were brought up to not quit no matter what. There's always somebody that you can help. And, and, and that's the real thing for big tech. You know, you're being tested. And, and the moment you turn your back on that person that needs help and you could help them, it's different if you can't. But if you can help them and you didn't do it, shame on you. Oh, thank you, Todd. I mean, I think it's, it's just unimaginable all the things you've been through to then add losing your 12-year-old son. So thank you for sharing. Yes, no, no problem. Todd Miner is co-founder of the Matthew E. Miner Awareness Foundation, named after his 12-year-old son, who passed away in 2019 after participating in a TikTok challenge. Todd, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Here and Now, Anytime comes from the team behind Here and Now from NPR and WBUR Boston. Today's stories were produced by Lynn Menegon, Thomas Danielian, and Ashley Locke. Today's editors were Todd Munt, Peter O'Dowd, Micaela Rodriguez, and Kat Welch. Technical direction from Mike Moschetto and Caleb Green. Mike Moschetto also wrote our theme music, along with Max Liebman and me, Chris Bentley. Our digital producers are Allison Hagen and Grace Griffin. And the executive producer of Here and Now is Carlene Watson. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you tomorrow. This message comes from NPR sponsor Xfinity. Everything is changing so fast, but now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.
In need of a good read or just want to keep up with the books everyone's talking about, NPR's Book of the Day podcast gives you today's very best writing in a pocket-sized show. Whether you're looking to engage with the big questions of our times or temporarily escape from them, we've got an author who'll speak to you. Catch today's great books in 15 minutes or less on the Book of the Day podcast only from NPR.